Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. The year was 1984. Lionel Richie and, and Cindy Lauper were at the top of the charts. There was this toy called uh, a Cabbage Patch Doll. Uh, that literally caused riots among overzealous parents trying to get the perfect gift for their kid. The Cardinals were having a bit of an off year in an otherwise uh, amazing decade of excellence. But I was nine years old and it was the first time that I remember really feeling shame. It wasn't the only time. In fact, it wasn't even the most significant time but it was the first time I can remember. I was with three other kids. Two of them I didn't really know. One of them was a good friend of mine and I had kind of gotten a little bit chunky, you know, Velveeta had just come out and bologna and sugar cereals and sodas and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was a little chunky and um, we were going swimming and I, you know, I take off my shirt. I didn't think anything of it. And uh, these two other kids that I didn't know started laughing and, and calling me fatso. I look over my friend and he didn't call me a name, but he was laughing. And I was just like, how, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what I had done wrong. And uh, they kind of actually just kind of left me. And I just sat there bewildered, like, what, in, what is wrong with me? What's the, uh, what's, what's the matter with me? I felt rejected. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I wasn't who I was supposed to be. And worse all, I was alone. I was ashamed. Um, and that's what shame is. Shame is this feeling that we don't measure up and maybe we'll never me- measure up. Shame tells you that you are a failure in front of the people that you want uh, approval from. And we experience shame, by the way, both by what happens to us, but also what we do to other. We've all done things that we are ashamed of. I've done things that I am ashamed of. There are things that we do that maybe only a few people know. There are some things that we do that really nobody knows. And because of that, we feel isolated. We feel ashamed and it keeps us from drawing close to other people. It actually keeps us from drawing close to God. And and, and guilt and shame are similar. They're, they're, they're similar feelings, but there there are different. Shame is what we feel in relationship to the perceptions of other people, whether that be an individual or, or perhaps a group. Guilt is in relationship to an objective standard of right and wrong. We can feel guilty or innocent regardless of what other people think of us. However, shame is highly communal. People feel shame based upon the perceived unacceptance by their peers, regardless of guilt or innocence. Guilt comes from an objective source. Shame comes from when we compare ourselves to other people. You may feel good about yourself, but then you see someone else coming along uh, who's acting more successfully. You know, like you may give your mother a flower on Mother's Day, and then your brother comes along with a big bouquet of flowers, and you feel ashamed by your flower. You felt okay about your flower until someone else came along who's acting more successfully. We can feel that in our careers. We can feel that in our parenting. Uh, we, we could feel that in the church. We could feel that in all different areas is that uh, whether we're right or wrong, we can feel wrong in relationship to other people. And it's not just that we feel like we've done something wrong, but we actually feel like there's something wrong with us. And the older I get, Uh, the more I become aware of just how much shame plays a factor, both in my motivation and 
behavior. In fact, I would say that, that shame is the strongest unhealthy driver in my life. Most of what drives me to excel, I would say, um, comes from a good source, a healthy source, a desire to want to help people, a desire to want to love people. I, I mean, I've, I've been impacted by this relationship I have with Jesus. It's absolutely transformed my life. I have peace, I have hope, I have purpose, I have fruitfulness, and I want everybody to experience this. What drives me to, to work, what drives me in my life to accomplish, I think it comes from a good source. I want people to be helped. I want people to experience uh, what it's like to know God, to find family, discover purpose, and to make a difference. But if I'm being honest, because I am a sinful person, my motives aren't always pure. Sometimes I'm fueled by this feeling of inaccuracy, that I'm not enough for people, that I, that I, I want to meet those needs. I, I, I'm I want to do more. I don't measure up against my peers. I see other people doing better than me. And I can be haunted by the fact that I'm not the leader that I'm supposed to be. I'm not the communicator I'm supposed to be. I'm not the pastor I'm supposed to be. And it's absolutely tormenting and soul crushing. It's stealing from me. It's robbing from me. And if we, you and I don't learn to deal with our shame, it will take us out at all different kinds of level. I mean, even at the most extreme level, I mean, it could cause us to want to or actually take our lives. I had a friend tragically that took his life because he felt like he had become irrelevant. Uh, he thought he was nobody. He had made some mistakes that had gone public and he was filled with shame and he took his own life. That's at one extreme, that can happen. But more commonly, it can just be this kind of gnawing, nagging, deep-seated insecurity that just slowly eats away at your peace, at your joy, at your fruitfulness, at your sense of purpose, at your sense of self. But I'm here to declare, and this is what today is about, and I hope you're ready for this. I'm here to declare, to declare that because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, the power that shame has on your life can be broken that it can end today, that shame could be on the way down and shame could be something that's in your past, that we can live in the freedom of knowing that we are exactly who we're supposed to be. Not because we get into self-esteem and, and, and we, you know, we kind of have this, the, the standard lowered to kind of fit our reality. You know, that's what we want to do. We, like we look at other people doing well and we want to push everybody down, but that's not what God does. God does not lower the standard to fit our reality, but actually he lifts our reality to fit his standard. That's what the, the, the good news of the gospel says. Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our sins, that we, we, we've done shameful things. We, we should experience Shame. Actually, the only thing worse than experience shame is being shameless. But we were dead in our sin, but he raised us up with Christ. In his grace, he raised us up with Christ and he seated us in heavenly places. If you don't know who you are or where you stand, if you are in Christ, you are raised up with him, seated right now in heavenly places. That's why Paul, he poses in 8 30, uh, Romans 8, 31, he says, if God is for us, who could be against us? And then he says, who could bring a charge against the elect? The elect is basically people who are Christians. And the answer is no one. The answer is no one. In other words, if God says that you are good, 
The good news is that you are good. But oftentimes we look at what we do, we look at our behavior and we compare ourselves to the behavior of other people and we experience shame. But God has done something profound in our life. Our main text says today that we are now new creations in Christ. We no longer regard ourselves. We no longer regard other people according to the flesh, but we regard one another, especially ourselves, according to who we are in Christ, that we're not just forgiven from acts of sin, but we have been transformed. We have become something completely new, something completely different. Our identity is totally changed and it's wrapped up in Christ. And to the degree that we understand that we are now in Christ, that we are seated in heavenly places and that he is for us, that breaks the power of shame in our life. And I am excited to announce to you that shame and guilt, uh, that, that we allow to be a part of our human experience is an imposter, it is a liar, it is smoke and mirrors, it is just not true and it can be eradicated in our lives. And so that's what I wanna see happen. So I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna get into the rest of this message. Lord Jesus, I just thank you uh, that you care about us, mind, body, soul, heart, emotions, everything. Lord, that you, you, you number the hairs on our head. And we just pray, Lord, as we finish this series on mental and emotional health, this, this shame, this, this feeling that we have that, that we are wrong. God, I pray that we would be awakened to the reality that you have made us right. Amen. Um, so one of the reasons why I think, or a simple reason, I should say, maybe an oversimplified reason why I think we experience shame is that we don't know what we don't know. What I mean by that, when I was 12, uh, I went through this period of time where I thought I could play in the NFL. It was a short period of time. Um, and I had this aspiration. Uh, you know, I played the kids in the neighborhood. I'd never really played football before until I was like 11. So my, my growth curve was, you know, I was looking at the, my rate of growth in football. I was like, man, by the time I'm in my 20s, I think I could be in the NFL. But as I developed physically further, I realized that I had a body best suited for golf. And then as I continue to develop, I realized that I had a body best suited for sitting at a desk. And so that's what I do. But I had this experience at 12 that would be more significant to my aspirations than my physical development. Um, and I lived in Columbia, Missouri at the time, the home of the Missouri Tigers. And one of the, the dads of my friends had this contract to clean the stadium and, and he would hire all us. And it was cool because we could go to, uh, to the stadium and make a few bucks. And, and one of the perks is that we could watch the game. In fact, we, were, we could stand on the field at the time. And I'll never forget, I will never forget the first time I saw on this field what looked like giants to me. I mean, these men were absolutely huge. They were big. The, the, the size of these football players, uh, the speed of these football players, the, the agility. And, and did I mention the size of these football players? It was, it, it was something. And these massive muscular men running at top speed would collide. And every time I would see it happen, I mean, it was like watching the worst car wreck that you've ever seen. I mean, the noise of them coming together, colliding together. And as I watched this dumbfounded, it occurred to me that I did not know. I did not know that even though I could hang with the neighborhood kids, 
Being on this field is never, ever, ever going to happen for me. After that moment, there was no more wrestling that I was going to be in the NFL. There was no more wonderment. It was finished. It was over. I knew after seeing these guys collide and what it took and what it meant that I could not be an NFL player. Watching these guys was a revelation. I didn't know what I didn't know. If I was in the NFL, I mean, tackling on the field would be like, okay, go right ahead. You know, like have a good time in the end zone. You know, God loves you. Like I would not get in the way of these guys, but I thought I could play in the NFL and it was a wonderment for me because I didn't know what I didn't know. Why do so many of us struggle with shame and guilt? Those who follow Jesus and, and those who don't. Why is this so much a part of our human experience? Well, my oversimplified answer is we don't know what we don't know. Like my adolescent self who thought he was going to play in the NFL, but then I had an experience that made me realize I had no idea. I would like to suggest to you and I that the reason we still experience guilt in shame is that we don't know. We need the eyes of our heart to be enlightened to the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. We need our eyes enlightened to the fact that we right now are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. Now, it's worth noting that shame has not always been a part of the human experience. Uh, in Genesis 2, uh, 25, it's the very end of chapter two, right before sin enters the world. It says the man and his wife, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed, which is incredible to me. I mean, you have this couple that they were living in this kind of vulnerability. They had nothing to hide and there was absolutely no shame. They were naked and enjoying the blessings of God in the garden of God and they felt no shame. And then if you know the story, uh, the serpent came, they tempted the, the husband and wife, Adam and Eve, and sin entered the world. And then in Jim, Genesis 3, 7, it says, at that moment when, sin, when they sinned, at the moment of sin, this is important. At the moment of sin, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves, fig leaves to cover uh, themselves. That, okay, so sin entered the world. They felt shame. Shame caused them to want to hide. Uh, Shame wanted them to uh, run away, to cover themselves up. And actually, if we were to read on, shame caused them to want to blame. The, blame, uh, the man blames the woman, the woman blames the serpent, and both man and woman blame God. Shame in your life will cause you to hide from God and hide from other people. That's one of the reasons why we talk about in our groups that we wanna go beneath the line of shame. We wanna go beneath that uh, because we want people to experience the full glorious nature of the gospel, that he has removed our shame, that he has removed our guilt. He has taken it all away. And now I don't have to run. I don't have to hide. I, I can experience the goodness and the grace of God and being able to share what's really going on inside is an indication that you realize that you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And you may have done things in the past and maybe even your recent past that are shameful, but that shame does not have to define you. It does not have to cause you to run and hide and cover up and begin 
to blame. That's what shame does. It drives you away from other people. It, it, it uh, perpetuates, I should say, the fracture that sin created. It drives us away from God's presence. It drives us away from one another and we begin to blame each other and we just live in that cycle. But through the promise of Messiah, so God was not content with this and he promised a, a Messiah that would come that would crush Satan's sin and death. And we get this all throughout the Bible. One of my favorite, most clearest places that relates to shame, Zephaniah 3, 19 gives us this promise because it talks about both the shame that, that comes to us through our own sin, but also the shame that comes through, to us through others sinning against us. Zephaniah three seventeen says, behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame or the weak and gather the outcasts or the rejected and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. The Messiah has a cure for your shame because of your weakness, because of your rejection. Maybe you've been abused, maybe you've been hurt and you feel weak, you don't feel worthy, you feel rejected, you feel like an outcast. The promise of the Messiah is that he is going to deal with your oppressors and he is going to remove the shame that they brought upon you when they hurt you, when they abused you, when they said things to you. God's gonna do that. That's, what's, that's the promise. And then uh, Isaiah 3, uh, excuse me, uh, Zephaniah 3.11 says that on that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds of which, by which you have rebelled against me. In other words, that other people have done things to you that have made you feel ashamed. God's gonna deal with that. But also uh, he's gonna deal with the shame of your own rebellion and the sins that you have committed. He wants to remove uh, the shame that has come unjustly to you, but he also wants to remove the shame that you experience rightly and justly. Well, how does he do that? Well, he does that on the cross. He that knew no sin became our sin so that we could have the righteousness of God. On the cross, he not only bore the guilt of our sin, the legal demands of our sin, but he also bore the shame of our sin. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. If you're new to Jubilee Church, I mean, we think Jesus is amazing. It's all about him, for him, through him. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him, the joy uh, of seeing you uh, free from your guilt, free from your shame, that joy, he endured the cross. Check this out, despising the shame. There is shame in the cross. The manner of Jesus' death was very shameful. He was stripped naked. He was ridiculed. He was publicly humiliated. He was exposed as weak. He was mocked. He was rejection. The crucifixion was a culmination of the rejection of Jesus. John 1.11 says this, he came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. Have you ever felt rejected by your family? Have you ever rejected by the people that you thought were meant to accept you, embrace you, make you feel safe? Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. And he bore that for you on the cross. Isaiah 53, three says that he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Uh, we didn't honor him, we shamed him. That's what we did. 
Eugene Peterson's translation of this passage, the message, he says, he was looked down upon and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him. We thought he was scum. Those of us who have been unjustly shamed should take comfort in such a savior. He bore your guilt so that you could be free from the legal demand of sin, but he bore your shame so that you could be free from the, from the, the disgrace associated with your sin and the sin of others against you. In Christ, you are now called to a life free from guilt, free from shame. Uh, Paul declares in Romans 8 that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Those who are in a relationship with Christ, that our identity in Christ, that we have we are found in him and we're trusting in him. We're no longer looking to our performance, but we're looking to the performance of Jesus who was perfect, who died in our place. Again, he who knew no sin, he became our sin on the cross. So in exchange, we could get the righteousness of God, the right standing of God. How can we be brought up into heavenly places without the standard being lowered? Well, because we have his righteousness. We have been clothed with his righteousness. Now that is my identity, that I am no longer a sinner. I am a saint. I am righteous before God. Therefore, who could bring a charge against the elect? No one can because we are clothed with the righteousness of God of what Jesus did on the cross on our behalf. First Peter 2, 16, I'm just gonna keep quoting you verses. I hope this encourages you. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Will not be put to shame. That the, the key, the key to getting rid of your shame is to believe in your heart that he's exactly who he says he is and to trust what he declares over you, that you are righteous, that you are forgiven, that you are now a saint, holy and precious, not because of our performance, but because of the performance of Jesus. What I think is even more remarkable is then we can have that that we can have freedom from our shame that we are now a new creation. It's one thing that we can be free from our shame, but what I find amazing is the lack of shame that both the father and the son have concerning their association with us. I mean Hebrews 2:11 says for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have one source that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, referring really to us. He's not, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. He's, he's not ashamed of us. Why is he not ashamed of us? The father uh, in Hebrews eleven sixteen, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. This is an outstanding revelation because it means the atoning work of Jesus on the cross work that it worked, that, that he knew no sin became our sin, that we actually did get the righteousness of God. If he's not ashamed of us, it means that it worked. How could God not be ashamed of us? I mean, are we not sinners? Has, have we not acted shamefully in light of his perfection? I mean, do you know what would probably be the most 
shameful thing that I think I could experience. It would be if, if one of my kids went on social media and said to me for all the world to hear, I hate you, I wish you weren't my father. That would, I can't think of anything that would be more shameful than that. I mean, there's no way out of that. Either they are revealing something about who I, what I'm really like. You know, maybe I am a terrible father and I should be hated. Or I just have no influence over my kids. Either way, there is no way out for me. I am going to experience shame. Except there's a third option. I can disown my kids. I can say, I don't know you. I can, I can just say, no, I don't, they're dead to me. I can disown them. Do you know that every time that we sin, we are essentially saying to God, I hate you. I wish you weren't my father. I mean, what is God to do with that kind of rebellion? What is he to do with the kind of rebellion that, 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 that waves our fist at God and says, I hate you. I wish you weren't my father. I mean, is he a terrible father? Is that is? Does he deserve shame? Should he be shamed by us? Or does he have no control of our behavior? I mean, if he was really God, he would, he would, you know, he would kind of control us to make us all good. Why isn't God ashamed of us? Well, he has a third option. He can disown us. The beauty of the cross and the beauty of what we received and the power is that Jesus was disowned by the Father on our behalf. On the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you disowned me? Why have you, he that knew no sin, God was pouring out sin on the son. And it says the father, and the father turned his face from the son. He did not respond to his cry. The atoning work on the cross on our behalf worked. And even though that we see a shameful past, and even though we may see a shameful present, and maybe we could have even a shameful future based upon what we've done. If you are in Christ, I am here to declare to you that the Father is not ashamed of you. Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother, not because of you, but because of what Christ did for you that he saved you, that he's made you new. We need the forgiveness of God to remove the legal demand, but we need to put on Christ. We need to receive the righteousness of God so that we could take on this new identity that's gonna crush the reality of shame in our life. A little bit of application as we leave here today. Number one, let go of the old and embrace the new. You are now a new creation if you are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, I think you should become in Christ. And how you do that is that you believe that he is who he says he is, that you believe in your heart, which means he, this, this reality of God sometimes doesn't make sense, but he doesn't persuade us in our mind. He, he there's this divine persuasion in our hearts. He makes us new. He, he causes us to, he, he reveals it to us. So he wants, if you believe in your heart that you will, that you will no longer, uh, you will get rid of the old and then you'll embrace the new. And this is hard for us. I, 
my wife is all into kind of old antique stuff. And because of that, I watch all those shows. And one of those shows is an American Pickers. I don't know if you've seen that. There's two guys that go around the country and they go into these places that people just hoard all this old stuff and they try to buy it. Well, in, 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 one of the things that happens quite regularly is that, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the, the guy will, you know, they'll go in, they'll say, hey, I, you know, I want to, here's a tricycle or whatever that's all broken or whatever. And, and it's like, hey, can I have, you know, can, how much for that? And the old guy will be like, ah, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, may, I may need that someday. And then he'll say, what about this broken picture over here? And it's like, well, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of want to hold on to that. And they'll keep trying to uh, buy stuff. Granted, he's got a, a barn full. He's got barns full of junk and he won't let go of any of it. Well, then off camera, uh, the main guy will say something like this. Here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get, if we can just get him to sell one thing, that will create an avalanche and he'll sell more things. But if he never lets go of one thing, he'll hold on to everything. And that's true of you and I, that you and I are holding on to something. There's something in the past that we're holding on to that we won't let go. We won't, we, we won't receive forgiveness for it. We won't tell anyone. We won't let people in. We won't let God in. And we hold on to it. And when we hold on to that one thing, we hold on to all of it. And our life becomes crushed by shame. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you are willing to let go of the old and embrace the new, even if it's just one thing, it will create an avalanche in your life that will bring so much peace, so much freedom. So I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you. And, and that may be a bold step that when you get into your group this week, I just want to prepare you for this. Be willing to share maybe what you've never shared. Be willing to let go. Why are you holding on to that old thing? It has nothing to do with the life that God wants you to live. You are a new creation in Christ. Number two, it means that we don't receive shame, but it also means don't give shame. Don't give shame. We don't regard people, we don't regard ourselves according to our behavior and we don't regard other people according to the behavior. We don't wanna receive shame and we don't want to give shame. And let me just be honest, there's a lot of shame going around in our culture right now. And you and I should have no part in it. Finally, may we be the church that focuses on the single task of being an ambassador of the grace and mercy of God. And that's what he says, that we are new creations who are now his ambassadors representing. What do we represent? Do we represent our goodness or do we represent his goodness? Do we represent our wisdom in the way that we see the world or we represent his wisdom and how he sees the world. And our one message is to be reconciled, which is another way of saying that we proclaim the forgiveness of God, that something new has happened. 2000 years ago, God entered our time space world and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross, on that middle cross between two thieves. He was buried in a rich man's tomb and he rose again on the third day. And you have forgiveness from your sins and you have freedom from your guilt and shame because of him, not because of us. Let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you for what you did for us on our behalf. We don't deserve it, we don't earn it, but you've given it to us. And I just pray that shame would be broken. Lord, there are those that right now that just need to know that, that you do not regard them according to their sins, but you have set them free in Christ because of what he did on the cross and in the grave and through the grave, raising to new life. And because you raised to new life, we now have 
this new life as well. And I just pray, I just speak that word of life over every single person watching this right now. Amen.